Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Basis. This is such an exciting episode this week as I get to sit down with the sixth overall pick of the MLB draft, Emerson Hancock. He's got a really great story about being a late bloomer in high school and working his way to an eventual scholarship at his dream school, the University of Georgia. He also talks about when he got there, how hard he worked to build himself into a top 10 pick in this year's MLB draft. So you're going to want to make sure to tune in and listen to all the great advice he offers throughout this entire episode. And if you've missed any episodes in the past, make sure to go check out those as well. Thanks for always tuning in. And with that, here's the episode. I'd like to welcome in the sixth overall pick of the MLB draft to the Seattle Mariners, as well as a former University of Georgia starting pitcher, Emerson Hancock. How you doing today, man? Doing good, brother. Thank you for, for having me on. I'm, I'm kind of pumped about getting to talk and just kind of getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, man, I'm pumped for this episode. I was talking to Garrett just last week about how excited I was to do this interview and talk to you. I know your story is a really exciting one. Uh, reading through it a little bit already, there's so many great points and so many life lessons to take away from from everything that you've done so far. So I know life's been pretty hectic for you since the MLB draft. I know you're up in Seattle right now working out with them. Can you run us through draft night a little bit and how that experience was for you? A um, lot of nerves for me. It was I kind of woke up. I had to go do something before the draft started. I think it was 7 o'clock start that night. So I went to play golf. That took a big chunk out of the day. Um, got back, got dressed, kind of had some family, some friends at a local place. We got together, we watched it, had some food. And, you know, it just, I remember when my name was called, just kind of overwhelmed with emotion. You know, I'm really not one to, to cry a lot, but I started to break down just because for that moment to have those people around you, the people who've been there, supported you and kind of guided you along the way, it just, it all kind of hit me. And um, I couldn't be more blessed to be with this organization. And, I mean, that night was something I'll definitely remember forever. Yeah, I can bet that moment was just surreal, seeing your name uh, go across the ticker and hear them announce that you'd been selected. And I know usually in the first round they try to get a lot of you guys together and do an in-person part of the draft for the first round. But with everything going on with COVID and safety protocols, you guys had to stay home. And I know you're a big family guy from from our previous conversations. So did you get a lot of family together, or how did you guys celebrate the moment? Yeah, it was um, – so I kind of got the – the call when the Blue Jays were on the clock at five that, you know, Seattle was going to take me. Um, kind of looked at both of my parents and nodded, and they came up and got next to me. My brother was already sitting next to me. So then my name was called, and, you know, I remember standing up, hugged mom and dad and brother. And, I mean, those are the three that have, you know, been there all along the way. You know, they've been at every tournament, every game, every practice for me. And, man, they deserve that moment just as much as I did. I know for so many baseball players at a really young age, whether you're playing in the yard or playing in a little league game, you think about that moment you're going to play in the big leagues and how you're going to get drafted and your name's going to be across the back of an MLB jersey. For you, you didn't just get drafted. You went first round in top 10, man. I think it's such a great accomplishment just in itself there. How does it feel now looking back on your dreams coming to fruition and how does this compare to your little league dream one day of, of playing in the big leagues? Yeah, you have dreams. For me, you know, it was you dream about getting drafted, but at the end of the day, you know, you want to play in the big stadium. You know, you want to be a big leaguer one day, and that's just still the dream. You know, that was just kind of a stepping stone in that direction for us, a, a really good moment to celebrate. But 
like they say, you know, the work starts now. It's kind of just continuing with the process, and, you know, hopefully one day we can be a big league player. Yeah, I know personally for me, my MLB dream ended pretty early. I figured I probably wasn't going to the big league, so I'm glad to see it work out for, for somebody else there. Um, looking at the draft, did you figure that you were going to go to Seattle? Did that seem like the likely team for you, or did you have a few different teams that you thought would pick you, or was there some kind of surprise to that? There were just a couple of teams that we thought we had a really good chance to go. Obviously, the Mariners, what they're doing with pitching right now, we thought it'd be a really good fit. A um, couple other teams really liked me, and I, at the, that time I had no idea where I was going to go because nobody knows how the draft's going to play out. They don't know who's talking to which player. And, you know, I, for my case, I'm just lucky it kind of worked out the way that it did. So after all the buzz and everything going on with draft night, when you got to jump on a phone call with the Mariners, what were those discussions like? What were they telling you about how excited they were to join their organization? Yeah, I mean, I just remember kind of the outreach of so many people. They had a lot of people from within the organization, a lot of players, coaches from all levels, just reaching out saying we're excited to have you. It really made it feel like a family kind of environment already, just kind of welcoming in. You're getting ready to work with these people. And that was just kind of the vibe I got from that, which was really nice, especially, you know, you don't really know a lot about you know these people, the organization, and for them to be so welcoming and outreaching, it was really cool. Yeah, so with COVID and safety protocols and everything going on, they had to move the MLB season much further back than they had anticipated and delay so many different things. So that meant that this time when they did allow for spring training, they they upped the number of roster spots the teams could bring to 60 people. And you were lucky enough to be selected in that 60 with the Seattle Mariners, and a lot of other first-rounders didn't get that opportunity. So what's that been like for you to to already get some of that action and go up there right now and play with the team? It's been amazing. It really has. It's to be to go into T-Mobile every single day and to just see the place, see the big leaguers, see the big league pitchers, that's what I kind of notice a lot. And to be around them, interact with them, just see how they work, I mean, I think that's a, a huge and a blessing and of an opportunity that I had. And um, – we're wrapping up this past week, but it, it has been awesome so far. I've loved it. And so being in a position like that, where you're around so many longtime veterans and a great pitching staff up there in Seattle, are there any people in particular that you've really gravitated towards or, or learned a lot from that stick out to you while you've been there? Nobody really in particular. I just kind of like watching every one of them. You know, everyone's different, and that's what I, I really like about it. Everyone's got their different strengths and what they're trying to work on. So just any chance that I got to just observe and see how they work, what's the routine like, it was uh, really cool. But they've all been great to me so far, which is really nice. So I got to ask, is there anybody that you've struck out so far or any big league moments that you've had that you're like, oh, I'm here and I'm ready to compete? Has there been anything like that so far that's stuck out to you? Nothing yet. Uh, we were planning on trying to get in the inner squad um, while we we're in Seattle. It just the way that I came in, we just felt like it was better just kind of build things up. And then once we leave this week, we go to Tacoma for ten weeks. So that's when I'll get my live abs, kind of more inner squad innings. So I'm kind of excited about that. So you've had a pretty good amount of time off between the last time that you guys played all the way to getting on the field now with the Mariners. What's that been like for you? Do you feel like there was a little bit of rust, or were you ready to get out there? And how does it feel to finally be back on the field again? I was itching to get back to work. I really was. You know, it, it was great being home. I loved that time, that extra time that we had with family. But at the end of the day, I was ready to just go work and do what I love to do every single day. And that's what I get to do. And it's been awesome. Um, 
you know, your body always kind of has that period where it's got to get acclimated back to the workload that you're doing and mine's responding really well. So I think we're kind of going in the right direction. So going back to your high school career, your coaches quoted saying that you were a late bloomer and your progression with the game. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and why they describe you as a late bloomer during your time playing in high school? So kind of going up through high school, always thought I was going to be a hitter. always thought I was going to play the field. I loved to play shortstop. And then about my sophomore year, I hit a growth spurt, which kind of bumped me out of the infield. So it's kind of less athletic, harder for me to hit. And then I really took a liking to pitching. After around my freshman to sophomore year, that's when it kind of said, you know, if I'm going to go play in college, this is the route that I, I need to take, I need to focus on. And I got my first college offer after my sophomore year, and that's when it was kind of like a realization that, like, you know, we could do this. You know, it's all about how bad do I want it, how much work am I willing to put into it. And that's just kind of how I got to be kind of specializing in pitching, I guess you say. That same article in The Athletic talked about that you were hitting the low 80s with a lot of your pitches uh, at that point in high school, which is good, but not always great if you want to go on to play at the Division One level. Do you feel like not having that velocity behind you at first, do you feel like it pushed you to be a little bit more creative with your pitches and placement and everything else? Do you feel like it made you a better pitcher in other ways? Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. You know, when, when you go to these tournaments when you're younger, especially the way I was my sophomore, you got some guys who were already – low to mid 90s and for me I was 84 86 but I could pitch and that's what I really focused on was mixing different pitches throwing different pitches for strikes and for me I just love kind of the strategy that goes into pitching you know I love knowing you know if I throw this pitch here maybe he gets a swing like this if I need a ground ball it's what I need to do and that's just kind of what I focused on until I got that velocity and I kind of changed things up and so eventually you find your velocity and you start to get up into that 90 range and really pick up your game big time and, and start to stand out. When do you feel like that change really occurred? And, and did you start to realize I could do this at the next level playing collegially? And like, did something like that cross your mind at some point? It, I just saw a huge increase every year and I felt better. I, I was doing my best to get my body in the best possible shape that I could. I struggled to put on weight, which was something I just, could not do in high school but every year my arm got a little bit stronger I gained a little little more miles per hour and then I think my senior year there might have been a game or two where I was up to 94 95 couldn't hold it like I could in college but it, you just to be able to touch that number to kind of feel that arm strength that was something I was like okay you know we'll keep working let's see what we can do so you talk about each offseason getting better and better and seeing more and more progression each time you're going into a season. What is it that you're doing each offseason? Are you changing stuff up or are you just sticking with the same regimen every time? It was just I, I tried to live in the weight room. I, I really did. That started in high school. You know, my dad was a really big influence, influencer in that. You know, he was a football coach. He's known kind of what it takes for those guys to be successful at the sport they want to be really good at. And I did everything I could. I stayed in the weight room. I, I would stretch my arm. I would long toss as much as possible. And then it just, as time passed, I got a little bit bigger. Maybe I tried to put on a couple more pounds and just things kind of came together for me toward the end of my high school career. You brought up your dad there for a second. Um, I know from reading about him, he's a prolific high school football coach in the state of Georgia. And I want to say he won a state championship. Am I right? Yeah, four of them as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, so you come from a big football background then. Did he try to bring you over to the football side? Did he try to convince you to step away a little bit from baseball and try that as well? So, funny story, He, he's he been retired out of football as long as kind of I've been growing up. Okay. He kind of got out of it. And so, they like to keep 
high school coaches in the system. So he would teach PE and he would do middle school football just to kind of, you know, help those kids develop them. So I got to play for him my one year in seventh grade just because I wanted to, to be around him in that environment. You know, he, he'd always been not uncomfortable, but he was never in his setting in a baseball tournament. You know, he was more the, the Friday night lights, the, the hard nose, kind of all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to play for him, but it just worked out right. I just didn't really like football. I knew I wanted to stick to baseball for that. So your family is big University of Georgia fans. And from when I saw you guys had season tickets to Georgia football games, and the story I heard was that every time you guys went to the football games on the weekend that you always wanted to go by the baseball field and check out the facilities there and everything every time you went. Um, is that true? I mean, what was it about the baseball field that always made you want to make a stop by there? I just I, – I loved Georgia so much, like going to – on campus seeing the football program that I wanted to go there so bad and I wanted to to wear those colors you know I saw the football players wear and I was like well this would be really cool if I could wear it as a baseball jersey and so I remember one trip we we went and they actually had the field open and I got to stand on home plate and it was just one of those moments where like this is where I want to be you know that I'm going to do everything I can to to get here and luckily for me it, it worked out that way I mean that's definitely a blessing for sure you mentioned that moment of standing on home plate and just looking out across that field and knowing that you wanted to be there and being a lifelong Georgia fan and, and having such a strong connection to that school. When you got that scholarship offer and talking to the coaches, what did that mean to you to know that you were going to have a chance to go and help turn around a program that you had always admired and always wanted to be a part of? It was awesome. It really was. It came after a game where I didn't really pitch well. And I gave up four runs, I think, in the first inning. And it was just one of those things to where, you know, you, you can quit. You can quit or you can go back out there and try to get out. And so, for me, I went back out there. I fought. Our team rallied around. We made some really good plays in the field, got some runs, and ended up winning, came back and won. And I remember after that game, Coach Strickland had called me and said, hey, man, we, we want you to come. And I was just in shock. You know, like I told my dad, I was like, I, I can't believe, like, you got a chance. I even waited. I don't even know why I waited a couple of days. I waited a couple of days before I even committed, I guess really just to let it sink in. But I knew once I got that call that I was ready to go. And even after getting that scholarship offer and your game really starting to progress on the back end of your high school career there, were you getting a lot of interest from other schools as well? Or what was the recruiting trail looking like for you? Recruiting was pretty slow. I had um, a couple of schools that were really on, on to me, but other than that, I didn't visit many schools at all. I, again, it was kind of that thing where I was just centered on Georgia. I wanted to go there, and I just waited for the right time. And luckily, Coach Strickland called after my junior year, and I knew it was kind of a done deal from there. And so Georgia's been a pretty consistent team in terms of baseball um, just during its time. But it seemed like the past few years, especially when your recruiting class stepped on campus, that something really changed, and the program became one of the better ones in the country, a top 10 team consistently. What kind of changes did you see, and how did it feel for you to be a part of a, a program that had really flipped the switch? It was cool, and, you know, that that's credit to all the players that were, you know, before me. You know, when I got there, I got to be around some incredible, incredible leaders. You know, like, for me, it was always, you know, Keegan McGovern, Michael Curry, Kevin Smith, Chase Atkins. Those were just the kind of the guys that I looked up to, and to see the work that they put in, everything that they did for the program. I mean, that's a great kind of foundation to start. And, you know, a lot of the credit for the success we've had is the class above me. You know, when you got guys like Tucker, 
Tucker Bradley, Cam Shepard, Mason Meadows, Tony Losey, Zach Christback, just the list goes on and on and on with those guys. And we just, like, we had a really good group of players who came together, rallied around each other, and we worked as hard as possible, and we had some really good success in those three years. This year, before everything got shut down, you guys were among the top teams in the nation, and you had some of the best odds to make a run at a title this year. What do you think it was that went into this year that made you guys so dynamic and what really pushed the change to take you guys to that next level right there? For me personally, I think it was the realization of our freshman year that like we can do this. You know, we were a top eight national seed and had an unbelievable year. I mean, we finished the season beating Arkansas on a Keegan McGovern, catches the ball and left field, throws a guy at home. Like it was just one of those moments where like, okay, like we can do this. Like we're a really, really good team. And, I just think that's what it was, along with the great leadership that we had every single year, just kind of put those things together, and we came together and played really well. Yeah, it seemed like you guys were on an absolute tear uh, this year and were destined for for a deep run before everything got canceled. But talking to your head coach, he said in an interview the thing he admired a lot about you was that you might have a really bad outing, but you wouldn't hold on to it long. You'd come out the next game and pitch six, seven innings of no-hit baseball and, and really dominate. Where did you pick up that trait of not holding on to things long? And, and why is that so important for you to, to not sit there and feel down about something, but rather go out there and fix it the next time? I just, for me at Georgia, I, I tried to find different ways to help the team. And like pitching is one way, you know, if I can bring energy in games that I don't pitch, if I can pick somebody up, that's just kind of what I focused on. You know, if I'm not on the mound, you know, there's other ways that I can help them. You know, kind of picking somebody up one game can go a long way. You know, you never know what how it can flip a switch for somebody. And I, I really didn't try to dwell on bad things. Anytime that something bad happened, I tried to flip it around and, and make it an opportunity to, to get better that next week. And so that's just kind of how I view things. So I want to go back to your Georgia time a little bit again and just talk about um, that, that was your home school. That was the place you always wanted to be and and knew you wanted to call home one day from going there and checking it out to sitting there imagining what it'd be like to, to wear the Georgia uniform and everything. And you had a prolific career there um, doing so many great things in just your time. What was it like for you to transform the home program, the place you always wanted to be, and be a part of a change that sets up the team really great going forward? It was really cool. And, you know, we had a, a lot of great guys who who've done a lot for that program and to just be a little piece of that to be along with them um it's awesome it, it really is because you know it's it's one of those things where it's so close to me you know like I'll always have Georgia down the line they'll just always have that connection to that place and those players and the people and the coaches and so to just be a little piece of that for all that we've accomplished and kind of what we did in those three years it, it was really cool and then the thing that's disappointing was, you know, this past year, you know, who knows? There's a bunch of what ifs of what we could have done down the road. You know, I felt like we had one of the best teams we've had just in terms of, of chemistry, in terms of how we came together, a mix of experience and young guys. And I, I was so pumped to kind of see how that was going to play out. How excited are for you to watch this next group come in and follow on the foundation that you guys laid? and see what they continue to do this next year. Are you going to be tuning into a lot of games to see what they're up to? It's awesome. I, I can't put into words, like, just how kind of pumped I am for those guys. Because I, I see how hard they work. You know, I see how much they care about it. And 
you know, we just want them to kind of succeed as much as possible. So I'm excited to, to continue to follow them and watch them play and help them out any way that I can. So I want to ask you about a story that I was reading on that I thought was really interesting. Um, somebody in your family that's really close to you was a huge University of Georgia fan. Um, and you honor that person before every game with a specific ritual. And I think it's amazing. And I just want to ask you about that. Uh, can you tell me who that person is and, and what you do to honor them before every game? Yeah, for sure. So my senior year in October, um, my grandmother, who's kind of was the center of our family, she had a sudden stroke and passed away. And very difficult time for us because of the person she was. You know, it was one of those things where after church every Sunday, we're at her house, she's cooking us lunch, and she brought everybody together. Like she just had that trait of, of knowing what to do or what to say to bring the family together. And now she was gone and now she was missing. And so I just always remember her, you know, she would come over to the house and she'd always like, just, just wind up one time, just pitch for me, just like not even a baseball. And she was just so amazed by it. And I remember telling her that I was committed to Georgia and I was going to go there because she was an alumni. And I mean, one of the best reactions I've ever seen. It was just so genuine and it was awesome. And so I remember that my senior year of high school, I said, I need to do something every game to kind of remind me because I knew she would be there watching. And so I would always draw a cross and draw Ruth underneath and it stuck. It stuck every time I did it. It was something that just kind of calmed me down before that first inning. And I just something I'm really going to continue on and, and talk about playing. Yeah, it's an awesome story. And I, I read about it, but hearing it from you is amazing. And just hearing a lot of the motivation behind why, why you play and, and the decisions you made and everything is really great. And I want to go to that moment that you step on the MLB field for the first time with that great opportunity with all those people watching. And you walk up to that mound and, and you write her name with that cross and know that you've made it to the next level. What do you think that'll be like just for you to, to be able to do that at the next level? I have no idea. I, I really don't. Um, just kind of thinking about that, that that's really cool. Um, you just have to be one of those things to where you do it and you're kind of like, wow, like we're here, you know, like she's, she's here, she's watching over us. And just, I, that's, that's really cool that you kind of said that it kind of gets me kind of excited for that. Yeah. I can only imagine what it's going to be like. I already have chills thinking about it. And so I'm, I'm pumped for you to get that moment and just talking about every time you write her name and that feeling that you get that it kind of calms you down. Do you feel like she's there on the mound with you? I mean, especially when you're going through a tough bout on the mound, do you feel like she's right there? Um, kind of helping and guiding you while you're out there. Yeah, it, it, for sure. It kind of calms you down, kind of reminds you of a little bit of, of why you're doing it, you know, of the, the people, you know, that have helped you, who have loved you, your family. And I just, I, I like it. it it's part, it's become like kind of who I am every time I do it. And if I didn't do it before a game, I, I would really I'd feel lost just because it's been like that for me. So being a Georgia guy and knowing that you're a Braves fan too, just like myself, I want to talk a little bit of Braves baseball in here. I couldn't bring you on without talking about it a little bit. Who's a player in Braves history that you feel like you kind of wanted to mimic your game after? Who's a guy that you looked up to that you wanted to play at that level one day just like them? I love Chipper. And it's weird being a pitcher, but I loved him. You know, how could you not just see number 10 out there making plays and being a switch hitter? He was just kind of that person that figure that I love to watch every night you know you turn on the Braves yeah Chipper was the true definition of what a great veteran was came in did his job was a great leader uh, led by example every time he was out there and he just got it done man he was an amazing player to watch 
Uh, and just looking at the Braves pitching history, I mean, they've had some great pitchers really come through there and, and having Smoltz and Maddox and Glavin and tons of other names. I mean, was there a pitcher that you really admired that you wanted to model your game after while they were in Atlanta? I just appreciate good pitching any way you look at it. You know, it, it's been really cool to kind of watch the, the rewinds of kind of them in the World Series and the staff that they had and just how good they were. And so it's just cool because, you know, each one of them was different. You know, they got guys out in different ways and it worked and they came together and they were really successful. Yeah, man, it would have been great to see you in a Braves uniform. I mean, we all know as Braves fans, they love their guys from Georgia, uh, especially pitchers and everything. But you're part of a great organization right now with the Mariners. Um, so much great talent there and everything. What is it about the organization that gets you excited about what's to come these next few years for you at least? I just, I was just kind of overwhelmed by kind of like the resources that we have, you know, the people who are so committed to helping us in any way. And that, that's been huge for me. You know, I think the kind of outlook for the Mariners are, is we got some really good players, some really good young players and prospects. And I think they're just kind of looking forward to building on that in the future. Well, with you being a late bloomer like we were talking um, just in high school and getting to Georgia and getting better and better off season, like you said, do you think there's still a lot of room to grow for you? Do you feel like there's still another level that, that you're waiting to hit at some point now at, at the next level? Yeah, I do, for sure. I, I really do because I, I feel like I can find new ways you know, to, to be more efficient in the weight room, to be more efficient with my pitching and, and how I go about hitters. I think there's just kind of – maybe a, a new page that I can kind of learn about and just really just fine tune of, of what I do well while also looking to see other ways I can prove on and get better and just have fun with it. It's kind of the main thing. So just looking ahead right now for you, is there a player that you can envision in your mind that you can't wait to face off against that, that first moment you get to go at him and, and maybe get a strikeout? Who's a player that sticks out in your mind that you can't wait to face off against once you get to the big leagues? I mean, Obviously, Mike Trout, you know, being in the division, that's that's probably the main one that you circle. But, I mean, that, that'd be awesome to face the best player in baseball, a guy who's really the, the face of the league right now. That'd be awesome. So do you feel like it's set in yet that you're a big leaguer, or is it still hitting you each and every day that you're out there? I mean, is there really ever a time that it sets in that, that you've really hit your dream and made it to the big leagues? Yeah, I feel like a little kid walking in that stadium. I really do. Um to just be there, you, you just really – it really hadn't sunk in with me. You know, it, it's so cool to, to see that stadium and to, to be around guys like Kyle Seeger and, and D Gordon, you know, people I've played with on MLB The Show, and now they're, they're right next to me in a locker. Like, it's just so surreal. It's so cool, but it's just a part of it. It's kind of part of, of being here, and now the next step's moving forward. So you've been able to accomplish so many great things at every level of the game at this point, and you, you've been so many places and done so much stuff just in your time playing. What does the game of baseball mean to you? How important is this game for you, and, and what has it done for you in your life, do you think, personally? It's been huge. And, you know, you kind of look like, like draft night kind of brought me back to all the past experiences, all the past tournaments. The one thing I'll say about baseball, especially travel baseball, is you meet some incredible people some families, you know, that you would never come in contact with again if it wasn't for baseball. And that's what baseball has kind of done for me. It's, it's taken me places I would never gone before, but really put me around some incredible people who, who've been dedicated and committed to me in any way possible. And so that, that's just kind of what I take away from it, kind of the relationships that it's brought me and the people that I've been fortunate to be around.
So for somebody listening to this podcast that's looking for advice that was in a similar situation as you, that maybe didn't have the success right away, but there's a chance for them to work hard, be a late bloomer, and get that opportunity to go to the next level, whether it's baseball or another sport or somebody who who has a similar story in a way to you, what kind of advice can you offer them about sticking with it and making sure to continue that grind if they want to get to the next level and do the things even that you've been able to accomplish? So one thing that, that kind of ties into, you know, my grandmother's passing and, and just things that I've always carried around with me is, you know, your life's precious. You, we got to be very grateful for, for the every day that we're given because you really don't know when's the last time you're going to have someone gone. You know, someone's going to be away from you. And you really don't grasp that until it happens to you. And so I really tried to kind of incorporate that into baseball. You know, I said, you know, if today was the last day that I threw a baseball, if today was the last day that I did a lift, you know, would I have regrets about it if I couldn't do it anymore? And so that's just kind of how I've tried to live and kind of incorporate that into baseball. And I feel like if anybody does that, if anybody really takes that in tune of, of every day, I mean, really, you can do whatever you want to do. And for me, it's all—it's always been about work. You know, I've been blessed with, with a really good arm and some really good talent, but I've also worked tremendously hard, and I've had a lot of people around me who've helped me get here. And so I just think if you work, you really have that appreciativeness about every day that you've been given. I think you can really do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think especially during these times of everybody going through stuff right now, I think it's it's really important for us to notice what we have in front of us during all this and, and the opportunities that we have. And like you said, knowing that, that we're giving our full effort at everything and that we're doing life the best we can because we don't know what's what's around the corner for us. I think that's a really great motto. So I want to thank you again, man, for coming on here today. I really appreciated your time. I, I think your story's phenomenal, and I think there's a lot everybody can learn from this. So thanks again for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in a big league game, hopefully soon. And uh, good luck with everything, man. Thank you again. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. Huge shout out to Emerson Hancock for taking the time to come on here today and speak on the podcast. So thanks again to him. Next week's episode should be really fun as I sit down with co-editor at D1Baseball.com, Aaron Fit, to get a perspective for him from the media side of baseball. So that should be a really fun one. So thanks again, guys, for checking out this week's episode. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and everything. It goes such a long way. With that, y'all have a good one.